Welcome to Medical Minefield, the podcast where we talk about the ethical dilemmas at the heart of the health stories that matter the most. I'm Barney Kalman. And I'm Eve Simmons. And we're health journalists, which means we spend our lives asking tough questions to top experts so you don't have to. This week, we're asking, is there such a thing as too much HRT? If you have a question or a suggestion for us at Medical Minefield, just tweet us using the hashtag Medical Minefield. As regular listeners and readers may know, uh, we have covered the HRT and menopause revolution. Doctors who write for the Mail on Sunday have voiced concern over overprescription of HRT. Um, our resident GP, Dr. Eddie Cannon in particular, believes that many of the celebrities talking about the menopause and, and talking about how dreadful it can be, which it can be clearly, are in danger of scaring women into believing that it's always nightmarish and that everyone needs HRT. She said one patient came to her who hadn't even got menopause symptoms saying that she thought she should have HRT essentially because she had FOMO, that because everyone else was on it, she thought she needed it too and somehow it would be this great life-enhancing thing that would solve problems and make her young again or something. But clearly this is not the right way of prescribing a quite serious medication that obviously has life-changing effects. Since then, we've also raised concerns about claims that it's safe to take HRT once you've had breast cancer, when in fact, there is clear evidence that if you've suffered breast cancer, that taking additional estrogen in the form of HRT will increase your risk of recurrence. In light of those articles, we were approached by a patient of a private menopause clinic with an alarming story that she wished to share with everyone. And in a nutshell, this woman who was at 45, potentially perimenopausal, this woman was put on the maximum dose of HRT by a private doctor at this private clinic. And then when three months later, she'd not experienced any improvement in symptoms and in fact, her health had deteriorated quite dramatically. She'd been suffering mental health problems before seeking help from this menopause doctor. Her symptoms were mainly anxiety, low mood. This deteriorated into fractiousness, anger, tearfulness, argumentativeness, extreme anxiety, insomnia. And she began to suffer regular bleeding. When she returned three months later to her private menopause doctor, that doctor then doubled her dose of HRT. It'd be fair to say that most gynaecologists I've spoken to this week about this story have said it's not what they would do. They didn't say it was out of the realms of possibility, but they were surprised one said that it was an extreme dose. Um, and it was definitely outside of the licensed use of this medicine. Obviously, our patient didn't know that at the time. And she believed, because she was going to a private doctor who specialised in treating the menopause, that she was getting the absolute best treatment. So she took the large dose and her health got even worse. She started suffering terrible thoughts. Alarmingly, also, she started to suffer very heavy bleeding. This led to her going back to her GP, who was extremely worried by the dose of HRT that she was taking and worked with her to reduce that dose. She was put on antidepressants 
And today, having made big adjustments to her life because she was going through extremely stressful life events, she's symptom-free. She never went back to that private menopause doctor. It was just the two appointments. However, she wants to talk about her story today to warn other women who might have been put in a similar situation that A, they are not alone, and B, to encourage them to come forward and share their stories too. I mean, that is a very shocking story, especially given that the general message at the moment is that women aren't being prescribed HRT enough. Do we have any idea how common this kind of situation is? That's a really good question. The doctors I've spoken to this week have said that they have heard of this going on, that there is a culture that exists among some private menopause doctors of giving very high doses outside the clinical guidelines. And there is concern about this, so much to the extent that the British Menopause Society have been producing guidance to better support doctors in prescribing Mm. HRT, specifically related to adjusting doses. Because to an extent, there is an art to it. It's not like taking a paracetamol where you just take one pill or two pills. Playing devil's advocate, I'm sure there are cases where patients come to doctors with a host of symptoms and they seem to be really, really struggling with, you know, whatever it may be. And so it might be that a doctor feels the best thing to do is to put them on a high dose because they want to make them feel better. And that seems to be the best way to do so. And maybe in rare situations, the patients have an adverse reaction to that. I think that's another really good point. We have the patient's account and there is no suggestion that that there was any deliberate Wrongdoing, or wrongdoing on on behalf of the doctor, who no doubt had clinical justification. Because that was going to be my next they, question: they Why did. on earth would a doctor do that if they didn't know and were well up to date with the guidance or whatever and knew? But that's the point: that this is outside of the guidance, right? And you can you can prescribe outside of guidance. Mm. Um, you know, doctors do it all the time. Doctors do it all the time. You know, off license use of medication, giving people larger doses, and generally it's accepted that this is okay mm-hmm. as long as the patient is fully aware that what they're doing is colouring outside the box. I think in this case, it clearly didn't happen. Mm-hmm. In fact, the patient didn't know that her bleeding, which is a common side effect, and most women on oestrogen should be counselled that they can, you know, even on a moderate mm-hmm. dose, suffer from irregular periods. And I think the other important point to make is uh, that guidance is there to make sure the majority of women are treated safely Mm. or patients in general. And NICE, for instance, who provide overarching clinical guidance, prescribing guidelines, say that patients should be treated with the lowest possible dose Mm -hmm. of any drug that can control their symptoms. And that's how doctors should look at prescribing overall. So it's not about just upping doses, upping doses, mega doses, etc. I must say I've been prescribed quite a few things in my time and it's always been the lowest dose, although I am small, so I always think that's why. But oh. but but it's all it's I've never ever been prescribed anything that isn't the lowest dose. Well before we go any further, let's hear from the patient herself. We're joined now by Pilates instructor and sports psychologist Paula Rastrick. Paula, thanks very much for finding time to talk to us. I know it's not going to be the easiest of discussions to have, but would you like to take us back to the beginning, to what led to you first being prescribed HRT? Yeah, so at the age of 45, 
I left my previous employment, went through a very stressful situation with that, and then went on to set up a business. And during that time, I started to have periods where I felt as if I was very fatigued, my energy levels were really low. And I started to see messaging on Facebook, which said that sort of thing. So it was along the lines of, you know, if you're a woman, 45 plus, and you are feeling as if you're very fatigued, you've got no energy, or if you're feeling as if you're sinking, you know, you're not coping very well. So I started to see these messages on Facebook. I thought, I'm 45. This kind of sounds like how I'm feeling. So I then went to see a doctor who was doing the advertising at the time because I thought, well, you know what, I'm 45. I could be, it said, perimenopausal. I had no idea what that really meant, to be fair. But I went to see that doctor that was putting the adverts in Facebook. So I made an appointment. And during that appointment, what happened? So during that appointment, we had an initial discussion around my age and also my symptoms. And I also filled in a 21-point questionnaire, which is a tick box kind of exercise, which kind of gives you levels of your symptoms. So you kind of pick level one, mild or zero, and then you go to level two or level three. So there was 21 questions, and I ticked those boxes before I went to see the doctor. And what kind of questions were being asked in, in that about, about symptoms? What, what, what are the ones that you were really suffering from and what are the ones you weren't at all? So the ones that I was suffering from was anxiety, heart palpitations, lack of sleep, some brain fog, low on energy and low on sex drive. The ones that I didn't tick were hot flushes and depression. I didn't have depression. So it was a kind of mixture of things, but I scored very highly on anxiety and symptoms of anxiety, really. And then during the consultation, you were recommended almost straight away HRT would be a good thing for you to take. Yeah, I mean, it was straight away. There wasn't a discussion around my symptoms. It was a discussion around you at 45 the symptoms are likely to be perimenopausal symptoms, which, I, to be honest, I did not know anything about until I'd seen these adverts. And there was a recommendation of hormone replacement therapy to help with these symptoms. Yeah. And you went away from that consultation, which lasted how long? So the initial part of the consultation was me filling in the forms in the reception. And then the actual seeing doctor, I would say that was about 20 to 25 minutes. I would say 20 minutes probably. And how much did you pay for that? So on recollection, I'm sure it was between 300 to 350 pounds for the appointment. And you went away with a private prescription, which you immediately picked up from the pharmacy and took your HRT home and started taking it. Yes. So I just started the prescription straight away. And did you feel any different? Did you feel any better? So it's difficult to tell. I didn't feel better in the beginning at all. No, there was no difference. So I started on the prescription. However, my life was still the same. So I had high levels of stress. I'd started this new business. We lost our house. We'd lost our jobs. So there was a lot of stress in this period. So I guess in my mind, I thought I'm taking this and I'm going to feel better. But I didn't feel better. In fact, it was about two months, 10 weeks. I was feeling worse. 
the symptoms that I had had not improved at all and I was feeling worse there were worse symptoms I was more anxious I was more irritable I was more distressed I just felt as if I was starting to not cope with anything really my business my life it just seemed to be a kind of huge ongoing battle so my sleep was suffering anyway so none of the symptoms seemed to kind of improve Paula, can I ask what kind of HRT were you given? Was it a patch or a gel or a tablet? So I was given a patch and then I was given progesterone in tablet form. And I that point, that was it. That was what I was given, yeah, at that point. And you were given the maximum dose to start with, weren't you? These patches, they come in 25, 50, 75 and 100 milligram doses. And you were put on the 100 milligram dose straight away. Is that right? Yes, my prescription was for 100. Now, I wouldn't have had an idea of what strength that was. I just, you know, took it and and thought this would make me better. So I took it. But yes, it was 100, the patch that I started on. Yeah. And when did you decide to go back to the menopause doctor? I went back. I had a review appointment three months after my first appointment. And what happened during that appointment? So at this point, my symptoms and the way I was feeling generally were worse I was (laughs) I had deteriorated at that point I was prescribed testosterone in gel form and I was also then given more HRT so I was given another hundred patch so you went back and you said that you had not experienced improvements and did you go over the fact that you had actually felt worse yes yeah, yeah. The stress that I was under due to the prolonged stress I had before, that was also mentioned. So, you know, there were concerns around my stress levels for a start. And I said, you know, I just wasn't feeling better. In fact, I was feeling worse. At that point, I was feeling worse. So the kind of consultation was that more HRT was needed at that point in order for me to, you know, to feel the benefits of it, I guess. And something you mentioned to me before, you'd had a blood test, hadn't you? Yes. So the blood test, now I don't know anything about the blood tests themselves, but this was when I was then prescribed testosterone based on that blood test. So my thyroid apparently was fine, but there were low levels of, I guess, testosterone. So that was when I was prescribed the gel, the testosterone gel. And at any point during that second appointment and in the blood tests, were your oestrogen levels discussed? For instance, was it ever mentioned that you might not have been absorbing the oestrogen in the patch? No, no. There was never any discussion about that at all. The discussion was around me feeling the way I was feeling. And that's all I could describe. And being completely honest with you, I didn't even, it sounds naive, I did not even know what oestrogen was. I didn't know about the hormones and what I was taking. I just took the medicine because I believe the symptoms, that's what would you know, help my symptoms. And of course, the advice you were given, you know, you'd pay to see a specialist in the menopause, you'd been given medical advice. And so you followed it. I didn't, I didn't question it at all. First of all, I was not feeling well. So I literally did not question it. And the the next few months, you've previously described to me as the most difficult months of your life. Yeah, I mean, it's a long story. You know, it was very difficult to describe, but it was like, a slow mental breakdown. So I started to experience extreme bleeding, not bleeding, flooding it's called, where you just literally have no control. It's it's really impactful because it happens at any point 
it's pretty distressing. That was causing me to have even more anxiety. But obviously the fact that I didn't know when it was going to happen, I've got a business to run, it was happening at work, that was adding to my anxiety. So I was kind of going round in this vicious circle now of the whole thing becoming more and more complex. I didn't know what was happening to me. You know, I didn't know. You'd never been warned that HRT could affect your periods? No. The, the original discussion we had at the very beginning was about when you perimenopause, your periods can become irregular. So I was still having periods. I had absolutely no understanding of this flooding at all. Like, it, I didn't know what was causing it. You know, it was really distressing. And was it kind of just intermittent at any point or did it last for a week or how? No, so it started with one isolated incident. You know, I was in a in a pub at the time and it just it just happened. I knew something had happened because I could feel it and then obviously I stood up and then I could see. And then from there, obviously I was still taking the estrogen and so then it started to become more regular and then it would be once a week. But then I didn't know when that would happen. That really added to the whole distress and anxiety. So, of course, now I'm going around in this huge circle of not knowing physically what's going on and not knowing mentally and then kind of the two entwined, really. And you, you say that you were having a slow sort of breakdown. Could you describe your mental state at the time? Yeah, I look at I, I mean, when you're in it, so <laughs> you don't see it because it's happening and I'm a very resilient type of person and so I carried on and I carried on when I look back I can see I mean people spoke to me at the time but I was unfortunately became very angry so I was impossible to talk to I was impossible to reason with I became paranoid I couldn't see myself if that I don't know if that makes sense I I feel like I probably disassociated and I just kept going kept going but When I look back, I was breaking down mentally. My marriage really suffered because of it. Well, I kind of look back and think, you know, I completely lost it. I know that sounds very flippant to say that, but, you know, I left my husband and I I just was so, I don't know, mentally broken. That's how it felt. And did you at any point think, especially, I guess, after the bleeding, because that's a kind of big physical sign, did you ever think, gosh, maybe it's this stuff I'm taking? So I did, but I didn't think to myself, oh, there's a direct association. I thought this was perimenopause. So, you know, because then by this point, I'm kind of like, I've got more awareness of perimenopause. I did think, well, maybe this is part of it. And because I was so busy and so trying to get on, I just thought, oh, you know, but it was only when it became so bad that I went to my GP. And that's when the kind of story starts to unfold, really, because the original letters that I had from the doctor had been sent to the wrong GP, not my GP, someone else's. So they did not know what was going on. And when I then went to them, it was them that kind of pulled the alarm cord, if you like. It was my GPs that said, what is going on? And they said you were on too high a dose and that that was likely to have been causing the bleeding and also the deterioration in your mental health? They said to me straight away, we do not know anyone on this amount of HRT. They said to me categorically, we are not going to give you this amount of HRT. You're going to have to come down. And I suppose that's when the penny dropped that at least then I thought there's a reason for this, you know. And they said to me at that point, 
the issue is of the bleeding is that because obviously there's excessive bleeding, they have to rule out wound cancer. And this was all kind of like, what? You know, my mum died of ovarian cancer, so it was just extremely triggering. I just said, fine, whatever I need to do. And subsequently, you are on a much lower dose now, and you were also given uh, antidepressants, is that right? Yeah, so basically, when I went for my cancer check, it was not very pleasant, and I broke down, and they said, we need to stabilise you mentally. So we're going to suggest you take antidepressants, and then we can get you down off this kind of HRT. So it was a kind of two-pronged approach. And, and I said, right, that's fine. So I'm now on 50. And I'm now five years down the road. So it makes me question, if I'm on 50 now, and I'm 50 years of age, I was 45 then, and I was on 200, and I've had to come down, and I'm great. Absolutely fine. I mean, I've had to do a lot of work, but I'm feeling good. It just makes me question, <laughs> shouldn't I have been started on 50 or 25 even, gone to 50? I mean, I have been told by every gynecologist I've met and my GPs that this is extremes amount. It should never have been given to me. So that is why I then think, well, why was it given to me? What, why was I put on that amount of HRT? And Paula, the doctors you've seen, uh, did any of them say that they've seen this in other patients or that yeah. it's, a, it's yeah. a problem? They did. Straight away, yeah. So when I went to the hospital, I met some gynaecologists locally and every single gynaecologist said, you are not the only woman that we are seeing with this issue. They were fully aware at that point. They were kind of dealing with the back end of what was going on with women who had been prescribed too much HRT. And that's really important for me that, that you know, that I know that there are other women. Yes. Well, Paula, thank you so much for taking time to talk to us about all this. I know it can't have been easy to go through and relive, but we really appreciate it. That's fine. Thank you. Thanks for having me. A very disturbing story, I think. Makes me quite angry, actually. Really awful that someone should be put in that position. I think mainly it was that she hadn't been prepared for the fact that she was essentially undergoing quite unusual treatment. Mm. She just thought this is what happens. No patient should ever be treated like that. It shows how much trust a patient puts in a doctor, mm. especially in somebody who bills themselves as an expert in one particular mm. area. And the fact is that if you have a vulnerable patient who seems distressed, you need to make absolutely sure that they're consenting to what they're going through. And I feel the issue here is with consent and that she did not consent to what was was happening to her truly because she wasn't made aware of the mm. risks of this very high dose of of estrogen that she was taking and it seems strange to me because over the last few years there has been so much from the nhs and from nice warning doctors not to just give out antidepressants if they are faced with a patient who seems to be depressed or exhibiting mental health problems but also look at them holistically and think about all the other things that might help and it seems that this was a sort of similar situation and okay antidepressants weren't given but another medication was given fairly indiscriminately mm. Well, next, I think we should hear from someone who specialises in women's health and prescribes HRT regularly, GP and author Dr Philippa Kay. Philippa, thanks very much for finding time to talk to us. I wanted to ask you, 
If a woman comes to you, say, aged 45, suffering from uh, a range of problems, stressful life events and uh, anxiety, sleeplessness, she asks you, perhaps I'm perimenopausal. What's the next step as someone who does regularly prescribe HRT to women like this? Well, first of all, just pointing out that we are not criticising doctors or care because we don't know all the details, but we're talking generally about what women should potentially expect. And the symptoms of perimenopause and menopause are many and sometimes vague and sometimes have lots of other causes. So when somebody comes to me, whether or not they think they're perimenopausal or that they have symptoms, I'm asking questions about those symptoms, I'm taking their medical history, and I'm also looking for flags that might give me a clue as to whether or not this is related to the perimenopause. For example, if someone said to me, I can't sleep and I'm very irritable and I've been losing weight, that's going to put me one way than if somebody says something else. Um, and so we take a medical history, which is very important. And I think it's also important to say that HRT is a puzzle piece, absolutely. But it treats symptoms of the perimenopause and menopause. It doesn't treat everything else in the whole world. And it's not the only answer. And I think that it's important to remember that, that when we're talking to women of all ages, actually, in the same way that women come to me and they want to talk about their libido and they wonder about HRT or testosterone or other treatments, that, yes, I can potentially help that if it's related to the hormone changes of the menopause, but I can't help that if it's because you don't like your partner and you don't want to have sex with them. Mm. So it really depends on what is going on, what we do. Now, is there a guidance to tell you how much HRT you should give someone to start with and then what should happen should they not get any better? And if I can jump in and when as well, are you supposed to take blood tests and if oestrogen is at a certain level, then you prescribe or can you decide? So there are various different places where the guidelines are. And the first place always would be NICE. And NICE says that under the age of 40, absolutely, you need to be having blood tests and generally under the age of 45 as well. But after the age of 45, they're not necessarily the most useful thing, actually, because during the perimenopause, they can fluctuate around a lot. But if I'm concerned about something else that might be going on, let's say a low thyroid, then I'm going to do a blood test for that. And so NICE gives us one set of guidelines. There are various other places. The British Menopause Society gives advice. There are places that you can look, but it's not as simple as the dose of amoxicillin is X. Well, the dose of paracetamol is why, because what different women will need will be different. And what even the same woman needs over a period of time may be different. So, for example, if you have a surgical menopause and your ovaries are removed, perhaps due to cancer, you go from having loads of hormone to absolutely none. And you're likely to need a lot higher dosage than somebody who is potentially going through a biological menopause. So we would tend to start off on a low to medium dose, let's say something like a 50 pound or two pumps and then we would generally say to review in three months time now if in three months time everything is good then it's reasonable to have an annual review and what we're checking is the risks and the benefits that the benefits still outweigh the risks but if I change something at that three monthly review then you're going to come back three months later and three months later and that might be related to side effects or it might be that it worked a little bit but not quite enough 
And then it sort of, it sort of will then depend in each individual case. If you come to me and you say, do you know what, my hot flushes got better and my mood got a little bit better, but I'm still tired or my insomnia is a little bit better, but it's not as better as I think that it could be, then I might go up. If you come to me and you say, do you know what, I've got really, really unbearable tender breasts and it's not going away, but my symptoms are completely gone, I might go down. So there's always room to maneuver. If you're beginning to hit top license doses of estrogen, at that point, before I would consider potentially adding testosterone or even going higher, at that point it's worth doing blood tests because we want to check, are you actually absorbing the estrogen? Because different women will absorb different formulations differently. So I could give loads of women a gel or a spray or a patch and they all might absorb them differently. And sometimes even changing patch to patch or patch to gel or vice versa can make a real difference in symptoms. What would the risks be of giving someone a very large dose of oestrogen? The first risk that would concern me is whether or not they are having enough progesterone to stabilise the lining of the womb. If you think of oestrogen like grass seed, light and water, the grass is going to grow. So the lining of your womb is going to grow. It's going to get thicker and thicker. And if you let your lawn grow ad infinitum, I mean, right now everybody's lawn is dust in the heat. But if you were to let it grow and grow, eventually you're going to get weeds in there. And so if you have unopposed oestrogen and you have a womb, then you increase the risk of womb cancer. Along comes progesterone. You need to think of progesterone like your lawnmower. It stabilizes the lining of the womb. So if you are giving really, really high doses of estrogen, you are likely to need to increase the dose of progesterone as well. Now, these are then off-license dosages, and patients need to understand that that's what they're on and that it isn't how it would ordinarily be prescribed. That doesn't mean that it isn't safe, but they need to be aware of the risks and the benefits that we think this might be enough, but you know that there isn't yet the evidence base that says definitely it is, for example. So that would be my first concern is, are you getting enough progesterone? As to whether or not it's making your mental health worse, that would be unusual. That's not a side effect that I've heard of necessarily. That doesn't mean that it isn't out there. But I also wonder whether the physical health is potentially having a knock-on effect on that. But I think that if somebody comes to you and they say, I'm getting worse on, on this treatment, then you know, each time you need to be having a proper history, an examination and investigation if those are appropriate. And the other thing is, is that with higher and higher doses, women need to be aware of what the bleeding pattern might be. Because postmenopausal bleeding, bleeding after you have not had a period for one year, always, always needs to be investigated by a doctor. But when you're on HRT, 85% of women will have a regular withdrawal bleed on that, and that's okay. If you have continuous combined HRT, so um, estrogen and progesterone continuously, then for the first three to six months, you might have some spotting. But if you're having new bleeding after that, that always needs to be checked out. And so if somebody was on high doses or even normal doses of HRT, and suddenly they're having sort of very different bleeding, that needs to be investigated. Philippa, there's some doctors who say that HRT is great for hot flushes. It's good if you've got some dryness in areas of the body. But for everything else, especially mental health related problems, it's it Brain doesn't really do stuff. very much. What do you say to that? Yeah, so the evidence is clear for some symptoms more than others. And that will be 
because the research is there. And, and what's difficult is that in order to get the funding for research, you need to know that there's a need. And in order for there to be a need, we needed people to speak out about their symptoms. And so it's very chicken and egg. And it's going to take actually quite a long time, I think, to get the evidence for certain symptoms over others. There is evidence, and the NICE guidance does talk about using HRT as first line for anxiety and depression, which first appears during the perimenopausal stage. So it's different if you are somebody that might have had anxiety or depression before, which then may worsen during that stage, or somebody where it's a first presentation. Now, we also know that there are very many stories of women being given antidepressants which weren't appropriate for them because it was related to the hormone changes. So I think that there sometimes can be both things going on. And the truth is, is that some women will need both and that's okay. And that there are lots of lifestyle measures which have evidence for both. So physical activity will decrease your vasomotor symptoms like your flushes and sweats, even if initially it might make it a little bit worse, but in the long term, they make it better. And there's also evidence that physical activity is good for depression and insomnia. Cognitive behavioral therapy has lots of evidence for mental health issues and for vasomotor symptoms. And also, we also give SSRIs, SNRIs, so antidepressant medication, to women that can't have HRT, and we know that they work not just for the mental health symptoms as well. So it's a complicated thing that works both ways, and I think that for many women, it is the answer. HRT is the answer. Is it the answer for everybody? No, because nothing is the answer for everybody. And I don't think that you'd hear any doctor that say everybody should be on this forever. But I think that it is important to not just assume that it can fix absolutely everything. And so I think that it's about looking at the whole person. And in an ideal world, access to a GP that has time to do that would be brilliant pressures mean that that doesn't always happen for everybody in the way that we would like it to happen. Something that's been pointed out to us by gynecologists this week is that the practice of giving these very large doses is a common one in some areas of the private menopause clinic industry. Are you concerned about that? I am always concerned that Patients who are vulnerable, because we are all vulnerable when we're patients, are receiving good evidence-based care and appropriate follow-up. Private medicine is still going to be regulated. Doctors are still regulated by the GMC. There will still be complaints procedures. So, you know, I think that it's important to note that, that going privately doesn't mean that you're going unsafe. But there are areas which are unregulated, for example, compounded bioidentical HRT which doesn't have efficacy data and it doesn't have safety data, and that is very concerning. I am really also concerned about the fact that there are areas of the country without menopause clinics. There are areas of the country where the wait to be a menopause specialist is hugely long, and that's forcing people into paying if they can, but if they can't, those weights are unbearable. So I think there's lots of stuff that needs to be done in order to ensure fair access to good safe treatment for everybody. Well, I always end these conversations with you thinking how much I wish you were my doctor. I was just thinking the same thing. (laughs) But of course, that would be unethical because we're also good friends. Yeah. Um, Also, you know, if you want HRT, Barney, that's 
potentially a, a, a you know a, a different conversation. Yeah, I mean, that's a different kettle of fish. Well, I wish no, I wish I wish it was as simple as just taking a pill to cure middle-aged maleness. <laughs> Mid- middle-aged male grumpiness. Anything for my husband? Oh. He's not middle-aged yet. I think that if anything was as simple as that, it would be marvelous. But you know, we are complicated, complex beings, and. Everything in the press in the last couple of weeks about, for example, um, is is depression a chemical imbalance and all of that research that came out just really emphasised for me how people need to be aware about how complicated we are and that doctors know a lot about the body in comparison to 100 years ago, but there's so much more that we need to find out. Absolutely. Philippa, thanks so much for finding time to talk to us. No problem. I want to make it clear that we are aware of the doctor in question and the clinic that treated Paula, uh, but for legal reasons, we have taken the decision not to name them. But it's clear from the accounts of Paula, well, it seems to be at least, that this isn't a problem that's just affecting her. She says that she's heard from other doctors that it's going on and they're uh, concerned. Yes, and and as have I this week, and obviously I haven't discussed the name of, of the clinic mm. or, or doctor with other people who are commenting in this weekend's The Mail on Sunday. However, obviously they've done a bit of a guessing game and most of them have said that they can think of a number of doctors because they all have seen patients who've been given these very high doses and have suffered complicated health problems potentially as a result of that. There is a worry about this going on. I'm sure that this is going to ruffle some feathers because it is, in a way, going against what the prevailing narrative is at the moment with with HRT. All of the concerns, certainly in the sort of mainstream, seem to be that women aren't getting enough of it. And it does seem to be that whenever anyone questions that, there are some um, some people who feel very passionately that these mm. types of stories shouldn't be told. Well, I got accused of hating women. Well, as a woman who works with you. I... <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, for God's sake, how ridiculous. I thought you would defend me. Well, yes, I am in a, in a sarcastic way. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, look... Apart from that bit about my relationship with women, which is absolutely fine, thank you very much. Apart from when um, the art desk put the wrong byline on the piece that I wrote last week and you looked like you were a woman hater. Unfairly cast, I think. Yes, we told them to change that straight away. (laughs) I was the one that was being mean about other women. Yeah. Ah, Stop funding hate, eh? They won't talk to us anymore. Another one bites the dust. Well, you can read all about Paula's story and all the latest health news in this weekend's The Mail on Sunday, which you can consume in newspaper form on the Mail app or on mailplus.co.uk. We'll be back with another topic on Medical Minefield next week. See you then. Goodbye. Goodbye.